And then the idea from there was, what if somebody from that world was stranded here? And what, what would, why would that person, why is that person stranded here? And that, that's where the idea came from. So really it was just me trying to get some peace and quiet from my children. <laughs> Every mom understands that. We've not all been so productive with it though. <laughs> Welcome to Book Fair. We help thoughtful women find wholesome, life-affirming books for themselves and their families. Are you tired of picking up the latest new release and finding it full of junk you don't want in your life? You are in the right place. This show shares curated content and we do it together within a fun, book-loving community. So pull up a chair at the table and join the feast. Welcome, Book Fair family. Today we have a very special guest, author KB Hoyle. KB Hoyle is the author of a dozen books for teens and tweens, as well as the CEO and co-founder of Owl's Nest Publishers, a publishing house that publishes books for adolescents. She lives in Wisconsin with her husband and four sons, but she can be found all over the internet in the usual social media spaces. Find her at kbhoyle.com or over at owlsnestpublishers.com. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. Karen, this was such a great experience so far for us on the whole. I just want to start saying, you know, Owl's Nest sent us an offer to read your book. And at the time, I don't think I realized that you were Owl's Nest. (laughs) So it felt like a great start for something new for our podcast. I took it with me to Thanksgiving break for a little road trip. And the whole time... I just kept thinking, my niece, Sarah, is going to really love this book. She's a big reader. And I talked with Amanda and I said, why don't we have, have some kids read it and do the podcast with us? I think that would be, it would be really fun. So today also to talk with you, we have Sarah Hawkins. I'll tell you just a little bit. Sarah is a fifth grade homeschooling full-time with her mom. She has lots of hobbies, including writing her own stories. Hi. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Happy to be chatting with you today, too. Amanda, you want to tell us a little about Josiah? Sure. Josiah, my son, he's my second, is a very active 11-year-old. Although when this episode drops, he will be 12. I can't believe it. (laughs) Um, He's in sixth grade, also homeschools, and is a hard worker, creative, and athletic He loves drawing and writing and to be active with friends, especially baseball. He loves reading, but most of all, he loves wrestling with dad. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hi, Josiah. Happy to be chatting with you today, too. Me, too. (laughs) So this book was really a fun adventure. I almost immediately was pulled in your opening line both kids have mentioned what did you think Sarah Kate I absolutely loved it it like drew me into the book and I was like wow I gotta read this way more (laughs) (laughs) Josiah we talked about that when I was running you to baseball the other day the open line kind of pulled you yes ma'am I'm gonna jump in for just a second because we have not said the title of the book oh my goodness 
What book are we talking about today? <laughs> Orion and the Starborn. I'm sorry. <laughs> Orion and the Starborn, which I have to say your cover art is beautiful. It's beautiful. That was designed, but I just need to put a little plug in here. The cover art was hand drawn by Ash <sighs> Schlax. She's our um she's our designer over at um, our design lead over at Alice Ness Publishers and she is wonderful it well is I loved so much mm-hmm. you gave us a little author note here read by Starlight which mm-hmm. felt so magical from the beginning you know I, I grabbed this book totally unknown to me and that was a that was a fun beginning it, it, I felt cozy before I'd even <laughs> entered the first page um, which was a perfect for Thanksgiving yeah it was it was hard to come up with the I like to have a little author inscription for each book that I send out and it was hard to come up with one for that I sat and thought and thought and thought about this and I was like what am I gonna write in this book and I was like oh, read by starlight it's perfect it's perfect <laughs> yeah, so, so this book quickly takes the reader to a world most mm-hmm. literally to another world I think a, a mark of a great children's book is really transporting you. I loved so much. These are just overview thoughts that you have so much lingo that they have to kind of get used to and know, well, this means this, and this is these people. You mm-hmm. have you have a government. You have different planets. You have, mm-hmm. would you call it more race or class, the different sets of people? Both. Both. Okay. I intended for there to be both um racial and class struggles on but but not a really didactic in your face. I just wanted it to be very sort of natural the way that, you know, kids go through the world today and you know, they might not process it in school or, you know, in the supermarket like, oh, this is a class struggle or this is, you know, a race struggle or something like that, but that this is just the world in which they live and sometimes they see something and they go, "Oh, well, that's a little uncomfortable or, oh, that maybe that that's a wrong. not right the way this person is being treated or something like that. Um, and, and, you know, wow, this person is, is a person and has personhood just like me. Why are they being treated a little differently? So um, just those little things that, that are in the book. Yeah. Yeah. You laid it out very naturally though. I think I didn't come to any of those terms until I was at the end of the book, trying to think about what I would say for the podcast. The story unrolls really, really nicely. (laughs) I wonder, Josiah, would you want to give us a favorite part? I don't want to put you on the spot too much. So... I liked it when he found out the spoiler at the end. I'm not going to say it because (laughs) most people probably have straight to the end. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good, Josiah, because um, I think that any any good author should have, if they're going to have a big reveal at the end, we won't again, we won't spoil it. They should be laying the groundwork for that spoiler all throughout the book. So that when you get to the end, you don't go, oh, well, that's random. So that when you get to the end, you should go, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Wow. Yes. Yes. I was hoping for that. You know, some sort of reaction like that because, and, and it shouldn't be so obvious either that you were like, well, you know, I've, I, I figured that out pages and pages ago and now I'm just bored. But that it should be a, more of a, a cathartic release. I know that's a really big word for maybe me. You, you young ones maybe kind of know what that. What do you? What do you? You know. Sorry, I'm a former teacher. I want to be like, what do you think that means? 
But that, you know, that idea that, that, that it's, it's exactly what you were hoping for, right? Um, it's not a disappointment. So I'm glad that that is something that you really enjoyed in the book because I wanted it to be something that my young readers really enjoyed in the book. Sarah, do you have a favorite part or anything that just off the top of your head mentionable? Yeah, I love in the middle where like the Revenant comes in and you introduce Luna and I, I really love Luna. She's one of my favorite characters. She's awesome. Good. Good. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of, of big characters kind of come in. Um, I guess, yeah, about the midpoint of the book. Um, and Elizabeth, you were you were talking about how this story just has a lot of terms and a lot of big things that need to get introduced to the kids. And I really did struggle with um just the scope of how big this story was and so much world building and things that needed to go into it and so many big characters that need to be introduced. And so there is this character called the Revenant who is huge, a big part of this. And, um, but then there are also, so you have the Revenant and you've got Revenants, little R Revenants. And um, they're kind of like space zombies is how I said, you know, kind of describe them to kids. That's how I had it. Yeah, yeah, like like little like kind of I mean that creepy kind of zombie nature. And how do how to kind of introduce things at a, you know along the way in a way that that it, it timed well in a way that that kids young readers would would be able to process the information and you don't just have, you know, exp- exposition dumps where you just say, "Oh, this is just what this is. Accept it and move on." Um, and then introduce new characters as well that will hopefully go on to be beloved characters like Luna. Um, and I don't want to say too much about Luna because that'd be a spoiler as well. Um, and, and have, have young readers just process it. And that was something I really, I, I really, um, worked really hard on with, with this book. Um, Orion was my, hang on a second, cause I write these books in a certain order and then they get published and certain orders. I guess my 12th book, and if, I've written Big Worlds before, but this one was, was a real challenge. This was a real challenge as far as um, the amount of information that had to be introduced in book one. And um, I had to kind of learn some new tricks to make you sure release that it in it a way that is, is they're mm-hmm. able to take it. And I feel like you, you you mentioned not a big dump, but you do have these mini dumps, mm-hmm. which I feel like for their age, they need something to get them mm-hmm. interested in. And then there's this small period where you're mm-hmm. kind of testing, well, what does this look like? And then there's a little bit of, here's some more information. Mm-hmm. And what I feel like that does for me as a reader is that you're not going to lose steam. You mm-hmm. continue to be interested, and it gives you time to make your guesses. Did yeah. y'all enjoy making guesses through this about what's going to happen? Yeah, yes, I feel I like she throws some little clues out that are really fun. I love to make a guess. I love to be the one that can figure out what's going to happen, and I love to be wrong about it too. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, totally. You okay, see exactly. kind of her pattern. Yes. So, Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you were going to say to a friend. I love this book. I think you would like it. How would you introduce it? Like this book is about blank. Um, I would probably say um, um, this book is about like a boy going into another world. And it's about him figuring out who he is and his 
life that he realized he's someone he's he's someone different than who he was taught to be i suppose hmm. it's kind of a mystery he's finding out about himself mm-hmm. yeah i love that what about you josiah what what would be your your uh, your description your what is this book about so it starts off he's in georgia on earth and he thinks he's just a normal kid but then he gets transported and then he's trying to find out find out who he is and he's trying to stay alive <laughs> yeah that's that's that's, fair that's enough. a good he's trying to stay alive <laughs> It's a well, really hard book to blurb. I will say that because I have had to blurb it many times and I'm like, what, how do I express to people that this is what makes us different? Because at its heart, it's it's very much the same story that you've heard told many times over because I think that's part of how you tell a successful story is you just tell the same story. But on the other hand, it's very different than anything you will ever pick up and read um, because it's science fantasy, which is very different. That's a really kind of niche sort of, you know, genre. And it does a lot of things that's, and here's me struggling again to blurb it. (laughs) (laughs) It does a lot of things that you will never, you, you just don't run into. I'm a big Star Wars nerd. And something that I love about Star Wars is you have you know, I, I kind of, when I was imagining, when I was world building for Orion and the Starborn, I, you think about what, what flashes up on the screen at the beginning of, you know, any classic Star Wars, at least, a is long, a long, long time, time ago. ago in a galaxy far, far away. See, Star Wars is not really science fiction. Star Wars is science fantasy. Science fiction takes place in the future. Star Wars does not take place in the future. This is me really getting going on one of my passions here. <laughs> preach, so, preach. You know, it's not science fiction. And so what what you do, you know, Star Wars, like a good science fantasy, is, is basically taking, it's, it's basically wizards with laser swords in space sometime whenever a long time ago in an alternate world it's not our world it's not our universe um and that's you know orion is essentially orion and the starborn is essentially a portal fantasy it's kind of harry potter which is also a portal fantasy except that the hogwarts express is the portal i particularly love that they in this world knew about earth but we on earth don't know about them because that makes me the reader look up in the sky and wonder you know are there is there a world that knows about us and we don't know about them i love when i can when i'm reading a book question this could be real i mean even though you're not supposed to like oh okay fine it's not but i love when i can enter that world and believe it's real for for at least a good possibility Did you have that a little bit? Did you kind of go look and notice where Orion's Belt is? I did. Every single night I would look for Orion's Belt after I read the book. And why did you exactly choose Orion's Belt over all of the other stars? That is a great question. And it has to do with my children. And hopefully you young people laugh at this. I know that the moms here will laugh at this. (laughs) So I do have four sons, right? And when – so I first started – setting, laying the groundwork for Orion and the Starborn way back in 2014. And when are you kids, what, when were you kids born? Was that around? 2012. Okay. So it's, I mean, getting close to some, some birthdays here. And, um, 
2014, that's when my fourth child was born. Okay. So I was, we were, and, and my, my husband and I lived in a very small house, um, a very small house, like small, a little, a little box, little garden cottage sort of box house, no, no basement or anything like that. And, um, it was like 1100 square feet and we had four boys and I was teaching all day and I would come home and I was writing at night. And I often, just because of the sheer, I'm an introvert and sheer noise factor, I just had to to just step outside sometimes because I just had to, I just had to get away from it. And not that I don't love my children, but you know, it's just, we just have to get away from my own sanity. Yeah. So <laughs> I would step outside. I would step outside, um, late at night and look up at the sky. And, um, in Alabama, you can see now where some, I don't know, some, space people are going to be like, oh, well, actually, well, as far as I ever knew in Alabama, <laughs> you can see Orion's belt year round as far as I ever noticed. And, um, so, and, and Orion, Orion's belt, at least Orion, Orion's belt has always been my favorite constellation. It's just, it's easy to find. It's very distinctive. I just love it. And, um, so I would look very, you, you get very clear nights in Alabama and I would look and I just kind of stare at the stars and I could always find Orion. And it was just kind of a time of, of solace for me, but my brain is always active. And so I would look up there and I just started to imagine what if those, you know, the belts, those stars are actually planets. And what if those planets have people on them? And what if, you know, what, what, what would that look like? You know, and this isn't really a spoiler for the book. This is, you know, mm. this, this is revealed within like the first chapter or two, you right. know, what if, you know, what, what would that look like then? What sort of people and, and what, you know, obviously it would be kind of magical because I write magical books. Right. And so, and then what, <laughs> what sorts of people and how would they interact with each other and how would they get around and what would their powers be? And would it be kind of infinite? Just, I've already written a fantasy story where, you know, the powers, the magic power system is, is more, you know, traditional. So I wanted to do something less traditional and, um, yeah, what would that look like? And, it, it just started to, for me, I know that an idea is going to become a book if I can't let it go. And so I couldn't let it go. And if it, if it grows and if, if it's not just something that I, I don't let go, but if it, if it starts to grow and grow and grow and grow. And then the idea from there was what if somebody from that world was stranded here and what, what would, why would that person, why is that person stranded here? And that, that's where the idea came from. So really it was just me trying to get some peace and quiet from my children. <laughs> Every mama understands that. We've not all been so productive with it though. <laughs> I've not connected before in hearing author interviews, how much asking questions plays a role in you forming the idea for a book or a world. Like, like this is the beginning of a trilogy. Um, and that I hadn't connected that before until hearing you describe that process. Yeah. It's really well, this, cool. Orion will be more than a trilogy. I'm not going to oh, say God. how many. Um, I do I do know <laughs> how many, but I'm not going to say it right now. But um, the uh, when I I taught creative writing classes for a long long time for over a decade for kids, for adults at at the you know, at the adult education level all sorts. And one of the crucial steps that I always 
brought people through is called investigating the idea. Like you really have to become like a detective um, because you have to know your story. Um, you, you have to close off those kind of logical ends. You have to build the, the you know, the parameters of your world basically um, so that the reader doesn't bump up against the edges of your world. Because if the reader bumps up against the edges of your world, then they've lost that, that secondary belief, you know, and you don't want your reader to lose secondary belief. Um, and you really don't want your reader to ask you a question in an interview that you can't answer. So (laughs) that where you go, Oh, I don't know. I didn't think about that. Like you have to, (laughs) so that's motivation too. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh-huh. Josiah has a question for you uh-huh. that has to do with being an author about writing. Okay. What advice do you have for young readers? So are these young readers who want to be a writer someday or just young readers? <laughs> young writers. I messed up. Oh. <laughs> okay. For young writers. I, I just say, well, oh, I would have a lot of advice, really. Okay. Let me kind of pare this down. Always carry a notebook with you, which maybe you already do that because I did. Um, Take down, write down all your ideas, but don't be precious about them. So what I mean by that is um, don't assume that all your ideas are going to turn into books and they're going to be brilliant and you're going to run off and be published by age 16 and, you know, and so forth and so on. Um, Write down all the ideas that come to you. Like I just said, you know, that your the ones that are, are going to be good will, will grow. They'll grow and they'll grow bigger. Ask those questions about them. Answer the questions about them. I have, I'm kind of addicted to composition notebooks. Thankfully, they're cheap. So, you know, I have an insane amount of composition notebooks. Um, just fill up the pages of, of your notebook of choice with the questions and answers and questions and answers, you know, and if it, it does, it's very common that you'll write down an idea one day and think, this is the greatest idea. This is the next great American author or novel. And I am the next great American novelist. And then the next day you'll be like, this is terrible. Like, this is a bad idea. Like, it's very common that that that, that happens. That's okay. Um, just take your time with it and recognize that when you're a kid, this is going to sound kind of mean. It's it, This is just facts and science, okay? Your brain isn't fully developed yet. <laughs> so take your time with it. Take your time with it. There is – you have your whole adult life to become the next great American novelist. When you're young, just write down those ideas and practice, 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 practice. You don't need to be published when you're a teenager. If you publish your books when you're a teenager, you will look back as an adult and be like, Mom, Dad, why did you let me publish anything when I was a teenager? Because it will live forever on the internet. So just (laughs) practice and write and practice and write. Mm -hmm. Even Austin's works when she was a teenager right? Are not considered that awesome. (laughs) They're not even exactly. That's a great, that's a great point. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to know what's the, um, difference between the Revenant and a Revenant. Well, okay. That gets into secret story knowledge and I can't tell you that. (laughs) Revenants. Little r revenants are very, very, very important to the story, so pay attention. And the revenant 
is also very, very, very important. So pay attention to anything I say um, about any of the above and how certain characters react to them or react around them and just what they do within the story. Um, all of that is really important, um, to everything that's going to happen. It's not, I'm not the sort of writer to just as a whole, to put anything random into my stories. Um, I don't believe in randomness and storytelling. I think it should all have a purpose. Creation is not random. Story should not be random. That's my philosophy. Um, but then as far as things that are very important, the revenant and all the revenants are very important. So pay attention. I love that you're telling us details matter in stories because mm -hmm. these books are not fluff. These books have little things that you look back on and have to say, wait a minute, what was that over there on that other page? You have a good feel that more is coming. So I'm wondering, have you released a date for another book yet? Is that known knowledge? I'm not trying to get you to spoil anything. No, it, well, we have said, we just, we've just spoken out loud that it's going to be 2024. Okay. So, because I have a second, I have another series going on. <laughs> well, I've got another series I'm writing. Just as excited. Um, that <laughs> I have, that I'm, I'm working on. Um, I just finished writing another book and then I'm in the middle of writing another book for the fairy tale series, which is um, fairy tale. It's called the fairy tale collection and it's um, another series that I write. So that series, that book is coming out in December of this year. And as soon as I finish writing that book, then I can write the second um, Orion book. Mm, Amanda's a big fairy tale fan. Yeah, I was thinking that too. We've done a little dabbling through fairy tales with our podcast this season. Yeah, the fairy tale collection would be would be perfectly appropriate for any age. So the first the first book of that would be. Oh, that's great. I was looking up your list last night. We're planning mm -hmm. on moving through some. We really enjoyed your writing style. One well, of the you. things I liked as, you know, I read, when you read books as a kid, you're reading it one way and you read books as a mom, you're reading it another way. Mm -hmm. And I know that's a lot of what your mission, your publishing mission is, is books that mm -hmm. parents feel great about. I really liked that at the beginning of the story, he's not in his place. So we're not spoiling anything yet, but mm -hmm. he is in a loving home. Mm -hmm. He is around people with, that love him. And so later there is a little bit of a struggle of, I might've found something that fits, but I also really have some love and some ties other places too, mm -hmm. because isn't that our human experience as we grow mm -hmm. and find something that fits more. We're also mm -hmm. always looking back, but that, that fit in some other ways, even though it yeah. didn't fit in some ways. There's, there, those are real feelings that kids connect to, adults connect to. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And um, another kind of trademark of my writing is um, I don't like endings that are so neat. I mean, neat and tidy in that all the storylines have to tie up, but I like endings that are bittersweet. And so every one of my books tends to have a little bit of a bittersweet ending as far as the feelings are concerned, because that's real life. Um, mm -hmm. If it's not a little bittersweet, then it, I think it tends to be saccharine. It tends to be um, a little unrealistic, like everything is just too, you know, unbelievable here. Um, I want there to be um, emotional struggle um, because especially as we get older and we feel these things. And, um, I'm trying to remember if it was, um, I might totally butcher, um, 
if it, is it Madeline Langle? I don't remember if it was Madeline Langle who said this. Um, I, I am every age that I have ever been. That's that's kind of some of the the struggle that that Orion is also kind of. I mean, he's young, but he's also feeling a little bit of that already. At the end of um, Orion and the Starborn is is the struggle between two lives and two families, and um, I I think that that's applicable no matter how old that you are. So. I agree. I like what you're saying about the ending of the books. Because we're wanting to train their affections and give them a worldview mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. can handle reality. Mm-hmm. And sometimes fantasy is the best vehicle mm-hmm. for understanding reality. Yeah. And I think I, here's another semi kind of quote I'm going to throw out, but I think it was <laughs> Chesterton that said, children already know dragons exist. We don't have to explain that to them. Mm-hmm. They just need to know that dragons can be defeated. Yeah. So exactly. I like what you're saying about that. Do we want to keep going back and forth with the kids and their questions? I have a lot of questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you as the author will feel free to say that's not what we're going to, we're not going to divulge that yet. And that'll just make us yeah. want to know more. But even just his <laughs> questions might be interesting to know what feelings he's brought out. I, I am happy to say no. I am a lockbox when it comes to <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> I I mean, I was writing the Gateway Chronicles, which is my fantasy series, when I was teaching, 8th and 10th grade, and my kids used to come to me crying. I'm talking tears pouring down their face. My students would come to me, and they'd be like, can't you tell us what's going to happen? And I'd be like, nope, you got to wait until next year when the next book comes out. And they're like, you're heartless, Miss Bullstaff. Sorry, that's my legal name. They're like, you're heartless, you're heartless. And I'd be like, well, sorry. You know? I love it. Uh, All right, Josiah, shoot. So actually not a lot of these are about the books. Okay. So what was your favorite genre of book when you were growing up? It's always been fantasy. First favorite book was... Well, first favorite book series was The Chronicles of Narnia. Um, And then, you know, moved to The Hobbit. And, you know, I just grew up reading all of, you know, the great classic fantasy books. And I've just never really moved off of fantasy. Fantasy is is my forever favorite. Um, So my tastes are kind of narrow. (laughs) (laughs) Same here. Same here. Okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Do you have a goal for how much you write each day? That's a good question. If you are in the middle of writing a book, I am firmly of the belief that you should set yourself a goal. Um, Even if you don't meet it, it's okay. But to have a goal is a good thing. Um, Also, primarily primarily because most writers, and I, I hate to tell this to aspiring writers, but most writers cannot make a living just being a writer. So it's, it's usual, it's common that most writers are, are doing other things as well. So you'll have another job or, you know, or, or, or you will not be, will probably not be the breadwinning spouse if, if you're married, you know, so you'll be taking care of the kids or something as well. So if you have a goal, like, and usually for me, it's like, it's, it's between a thousand to 2000 words a day. Um, if you have a goal, it just it gives you something to work towards rather than just sitting at your computer and, and going, I'm going to write today. And that's really, um, and, and, and writers tend to be really kind of, 
bright-brained. We like to talk to the fairies, you know, which is, you know, very creative. <laughs> that's, you know, we're just kind of woohoo. And so that's, if you just sit down and go, well, I'm going to write today, what you're really going to do is you're going to write a sentence, get frustrated, get up, clean the house. You know, you'll get really motivated to do other things, anything other than write. <laughs> so, yeah. I have some rapid fire questions okay. here. Do you like writing your books on paper or typing them? Yeah. Typing them. However, I have a process. So uh, I will do all of my investigative questions of the, uh, you know, questioning the idea in my composition notebooks up to a certain point. And then when I know that it's going to turn into a story, then I do my outlining on the computer. And then when I hit the point with my outline where I know it's ready, I'm ready to start writing, then I, then I go to um, actually writing the story. And that's, that's always like, okay, I've started now. So now I'm making those, those word count goals. And I set also a due date for when the manuscript is due. It's cool. Cake or cookies? <laughs> cookies. <laughs> Although I don't have much of a sweet tooth. Cheetos or Doritos? Oh, Doritos. <laughs> Man, that's been unanimous today. <laughs> we, we did that in soundcheck. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Doritos. Coffee or tea? Both, but I drink coffee every day. And look, I have an Orion mug. I have already I spotted it. That yes. <laughs> this is available at Owl's Nest on the website in the store, so. Okay, I saw you pick it up a second ago, and I mm -hmm. quick looked at the cover. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. I've got a question. I've got two questions. Okay. One, even though I haven't read it yet, I'm going to. I'm looking forward to it. I didn't get the book when our family had a turn with it. As my older son, he's 14, he grabbed it and read it. Oh. <laughs> Lo he loved it, oh, too. Good. They're both fantasy fantasy guys too. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, you have a lot of names and you've kind of already touched on this, mm -hmm. but you have a lot of names from astronomy, mythology. Have you been a student or fan of that? Um, I, I have, it's more of just kind of a fan of that. I started out kind of pulling some names from, um, like names that were that had ties to astronomy, astronomy and things like that, and um, mythology too, um, which is a little bit of a hint to some of the um, origins of the story itself. So I was a classical history teacher for ten years, and the oh. um, the the base the base story that is. Um, that I'm, I'm very loosely retelling, um, can be found. It's not, not in, well, it is technically sort of Greek because the author is Greek, but it can be found in Herodotus's histories. If anybody wants to go pick it up and read it, that brick of a book, but That's I'm not going to tell you where, but it is there. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of started there. I have a lot of fun with naming and sometimes the names themselves give you a hint to the personality of the, you know, the character, Got sometimes that. it's just, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just, oh, well, I wanted a name that sounded like stars because, you know, of what the story is. And you want your names to sound, um, you just, you just want something that, that isn't in, in keeping with the ethos of the story. You like, you don't want to go into space and have a character come up and be like, hi, I'm Jim. 
you know. Um, <laughs> I had James uh, in my mind is what you don't want. So definitely no. <laughs> so like Frank, um, Frank Hubert, am I getting that name right? He, he took a lot of grief for that in writing Dune is that his names just don't, they're just silly and ridiculous. And I mean, okay, who am I to... I mean, I'm criticizing a one of the most successful science fiction writers of all time. But I'm currently reading that. It is very yeah, hard. It's very hard. And my and my 16 year old read it last year for the first time because we saw the film. And the you know the most recent film is phenomenal. It's really good. You know, being being someone who enjoys science fiction and fantasy, you know, you and other people might not like it because they might not like that sort of thing. But I loved it. But I was also like, what is it with these names? Paul. <laughs> like, there's Paul. <laughs> like, you're, he's 20,000 years in the future, and there's Paul. Like, all we Paul got. was a retro. <laughs> Paul was fashionable because it was retro. Then. Yeah. The blue ivies had made their loop, and we're back to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to do that. I, you know, I wanted to have names that sounded um, – that sounded like, at least sounded like they belonged to the world, it, you know, in which these people lived. Now, you could criticize and say, well, why do we have, you know, why are there Greek gods and Greek characters that have these names? And then there's, there we're also though out in space and they're totally different worlds. Um, well, I have my reasons. So, <laughs> that's okay, all, that's we can't wait to know them. Yeah. I'll say the adult uh, names are a little, um, stranger and harder to say than the kids Mm -hmm. is it because they're like it's a new generation or something did you do that on purpose um I just wanted my well I mean I just wanted with the with the three primary kids in particular I just wanted those to be very very easy to pronounce for any of the readers um because you never really know how young your readers are gonna go so um I just wanted them to be relatable and and easy um so i just made sure that those were very easy to say and and memorable yeah i really liked the way one of the names and i don't remember which one specifically but you introduced a name that was going to be a little bit more challenging and you have this boy from earth and he repeats it phonetically so the reader seamlessly can Mm -hmm. say it the right way because we love to laugh um her mom has told her that she read her harry potter as a kid and said how does she say hermione's name hermione hermione Hermione. Hermione. for seven books (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and so it 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 you correct what could happen really seamlessly i don't think i even noticed it until i was flipping back through last night for notes yeah the the name is really stylish of her (laughs) the name is xanthope and that was a name that I just really wanted to – I really wanted to use. It was just – I just really wanted, you know – sometimes you just land on a name and you were like – you're like, that's perfect. That's just that's just perfect for this character. Um, but I also knew, oh, young readers are we really going to struggle with that one. Like, oh, how am I going to introduce this? And I was like, well, in dialogue. And then – or or some or, – or, he reads it or something and then he says it back and and then she, he, he gets corrected or something like that. So, yeah. There are yeah, ways. Yeah, this is great. Well, it's yeah. very exciting to have a name that starts with an X and an otherworldly story. I feel yeah. like that was like, yes, but how yeah. do I – and before I even said how do I say it, then the next line is explaining it in a really story dialogue way. So, yeah. I yeah. thought, oh, that was perfect for yeah. especially this age group, but also me at 40. So. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
I keep last season we read the first book in Lewis's Ransom trilogy. And I don't know about you guys, but I keep getting kind of thrown back to thinking about mm-hmm. that and in, in this conversation, which well, makes me excited. That's good because that was very intentional. Is I <gasps> Lewis's Ransom trilogy is one of my most favorites. And I know that it is probably I'm I against type. The first one is my favorite. I know people are always like, well, Paralandra is the best. I'm like, and I know that Paralandra was Lewis's favorite of the trilogy. Um, but, well, I'm sorry, Clive. I like the first one the best. <laughs> and I love it because the – I love the um, – I mean, they're they're all fabulous. But the, the sort of – there's some literary alchemy in the story, which I'm – that's a whole other nerdy rabbit trail. We won't go down that. But um, there's all sorts of um, medieval space symbolism and there's um, medieval alchemy symbolism and all sorts of stuff. And the characters themselves are, are stand-ins for um, kind of thought um, processes to kind of move Ransom to towards this sort of character development. And it's it's just an astonishing act of literature. Um, but I mean, it's C.S. Lewis. But what's what I loved about the story from a from a scientific perspective, from a science fiction perspective, is you have this man Ransom who gets kidnapped and taken in this spaceship. That again, it's like just don't think too hard about it. It doesn't really make sense, but it does. Like you're reading this story, and he gets they get they get taken to this planet called Malacandra, and I'm just going to leave it at that and hope that people read it and he ends up escaping his captors on this planet and running into just kind of running into these, these alien species on this planet before he has to make his way back to the ship and get back home again. And it feels so real. Like I've always, I remember my husband loves this series too. And we read it. And when I introduced it to him, I said, you will never read a science fiction novel that feels so real. Like you read this and you think to yourself, I believe that this happened. Like I believe that this was a real ship and this was a real man. And this is what's actually up there on planet or name redacted, you know, and and that this is what's actually going on. And it's, but it's also kind of a magical sort of story. It's not science fantasy, but it kind of sort of is. And it's just phenomenal. And I, I, I've read it multiple, I mean, you probably see my enthusiasm, well, hear my enthusiasm for this story. I really wanted to to make it like that, make it run like that. So I have to tell you, we read that with our audience. You read it with I your read audience. your book. Okay. We read it with our audience. And I read this right behind that. The timing oh, okay. for me when you sent the book. So um, I love that Amanda brought that up, not even having read it yet, because I definitely got those vibes. And I kept thinking, well, I'm fresh off the C.S. Lewis. But I love knowing that that those influences were there for you because, I mean, I think I maybe had one book between and then so- came to yours. So... I wrote, I, I'm just, I mean, I know a lot of people are C.S. Lewis files, but um, I wrote my thesis in college on C.S. Lewis. And so my, my love for C.S. Lewis goes, and my knowledge of him just kind of goes, goes way back. And so I've been studying these books for a long time. And I really just wanted to write something that felt like Out of the Silent Planet, but for kids. I um, think you have. Well, good. I'm excited <laughs> to see them roll out. This was, I mean, I definitely... 
I didn't read Harry Potter as a kid, and I was thinking through, have I ever, or have I, with my child, been able to await a release of a next book? And that excitement that I remember my friends going through when I wasn't on the Harry Potter train yet, mm-hmm. and I, this morning getting ready, was telling my friend, this might be the one that we like get to be excited about, oh, and <laughs> go to, oh, we can't wait, it comes out, we have to go get it so fast. That kind of excitement, I'm excited to have with my kids, with my niece. I'm so glad um, to hear that. This has been really fun. Do you guys have anything else? Um, I loved how you, um, like how it's science fiction. Um, I myself am a really, I'm really into science right now. Mm-hmm. Um, astronomy really amazes me. And I love how you just, um, you make the characters so astonished at all this new stuff and making them learn. And just like how you set the place on this new planet in the sky. Other world. Other world. world. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad that you enjoyed all those elements. Tell us about Owl's Nest and your mission. Okay. So Owl's Nest Publishers um, is still pretty brand new. Um, We launched last year, January. So January of 2021. And it is a publishing house that our mission and vision is to um, capture the adolescent imagination. Um, So we are publishing exclusively books for adolescents, and we're defining that as between the ages of 8 and 18. Um, We both, so so Katie Stewart is um, my lifelong best friend and my business partner and uh, started this, this publishing house with me. She and I, so she's been reviewing books for years. And of course, I've been writing for well over a decade now, and I have experience all over the publishing industry. Um, and so I came at this with the publishing experience and the writing experience, and she saw the other side of the industry, and we kind of came together and um, we both had similar frustrations with the traditional publishing industry, which is that we, although there's, you know, although YA is is booming, we don't see traditional YA publishing books that are really for teenagers these days. We see YA um, as a label, as an audience um, in traditional publishing, as as being primarily. Um, for adult women, um, it's a very, and this, this could be a whole other podcast. I'm trying to really (laughs) make this very, very short. Um, this has been going on for, with, with YA for, for about a decade, probably longer. But, um, if a book is, is labeled as YA, so if you go into Barnes and Noble and just kind of peruse the YA, um, uh, section of the store, what you'll find is a lot of books that, although they, they say they're young adult, if you open them and read them, even just read part of them, what you'll find is that the characters don't act like teenagers. Like the characters may be 17, but they don't act like 17 year olds. Um, they don't think like 17 year olds. Their motivations are not the motivations of 17 year olds and good luck finding characters that are younger than 17, by the way. But, you know, and even if you do, they still, they're, they're adults walking around in the skin of, 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 you know, quote, end quote, teenagers. And, um, and that, that's not even, bef- that's before we even get into content issues in, in these books. Yes. And so we're, at Owl's Nest, we didn't want to say, oh, we're starting a clean publishing house because 
that's not, we're not starting a publishing house that's disconnected from the world and issues, real issues that kids are um, dealing with today. I mean, Orion deals with some pretty heavy stuff. Um, But what we are doing is we decided that we are going to start a publishing house that actually produces books where they, they have authentic teenage adolescent characters. So if you open the book and the character is 13, 14, 15, which is very difficult to find on bookstores, on bookshelves at all, then those characters are going to act like 13, 14 and 15 year olds and the think and have those motivations and be authentic to those, those voices. Um, so that's, that's really the motivation, um, behind the mission and vision that we set up, um, and the books that we're going to be acquiring and publishing. And there's a lot more to it. Um, but that's, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. Well, that is a beautiful mission and it is, um, definitely dovetails with our mission here at Book Fair, which um, is to help women and families find wholesome, life-affirming books. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that you did not um, just want to label the word clean, Mm -hmm. because we've talked about that with us too, because everyone has their own definition of that. Mm -hmm. Stories can have different content and still be good stories. People have different um, standards for what is quote, you know, clean for them. And that's all part of being a reader and figuring out what you want to read and what is going to be nurturing and helpful to you in your journey. Yes. Um, so what we try to do on our podcast is talk about books that we feel have been wholesome or life affirming in some way. And then if there is content that might be objectionable to just give a little bit of a warning when we can, so that people can know, hey, this has this in it or this has that in yeah. it so that they can make an informed choice. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what we try to do here. And we do the same on our website. So if you go to our book pages on our website, um, we just kind of have a what's in this book. And we try to, what we do is we put both positive, I mean, I don't want to say positive and negative things. We just kind of put things there. Like there's religion, there's adventure, there's um depression, you know, um, there's, and we, we don't do a long list. We just kind of do a few things, um, so that parents can be informed if they want to be informed. Um, and then in our FAQ on our website, we have, um, because we knew this would be a frequently asked question and it already has been a frequent thing that kind of pops up on social media. Um, we have a, um, our, it says, are you a clean publishing house or something like that. Um, and, and we also get asked a lot, are you a Christian publishing house? And so we have a detailed response to both of those questions because obviously we're not going to be publishing anything that is exploitative or any, you know, or crass things or anything like that. So we have, we do have detailed responses to those things that, that talk about the nature of life and the nature of things that, that kids go through and see in the world around them. And then also answers the question of, are you a Christian publishing house? Which is, no, we aren't a Christian publishing house and that we don't publish exclusively Christian content. Some of our books are Christian um, authored because they are authored by Christians and they are explicitly Christian. Um, But, you know, Orion and the Starborn is not a Christian novel 
I am a Christian, but it's not a Christian novel because that's not the the driving theme of the book. So um, we always tell people that we're looking for books that um, they that they are driven by the classical virtues, and that's really more that that's what we're really looking for, and that can be found by you know any authors of, of, of many different walks of life. And so we're looking, we kind of have this all truth is God's truth sort of, um, I think Leland Riken is the author that I was kind of attribute that to in my mind. And um, so that's, that's really what we're looking for. And again, if anybody is interested in that, you can find our long form answers to these things since I don't have a script in front of me <laughs> on our website on the FAQ um, page. Love that. Leland Riken wrote Words of Delight, mm-hmm. uh, which is a mm-hmm. book I love and have recommended that here. So I love that you brought his name up in this and classical virtues. You are speaking my language. <laughs> well, former classical educator over here. So yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, Karen, this was such a pleasure and everybody that's read the book just really loves it. We highly recommend this to our listeners Orion and the Starborn by KB Hoyle. And check out Owl's Nest Publishers too. I That's great that you have all that information for each book and the FAQ page. That's wonderful and really helpful to people. So listeners, go to our Facebook group and let us know in the comments, because we'll have a post for this episode, what did you think? Have you read Orion? Um, I should say Orion and the Star, but I'll say the whole title. <laughs> we, we sure. always, We've been referring to it as Orion. We always home. just say Orion. We have we have shorthand for all of our books where it's like Orion, you know, but yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so what do you think about Portal Fantasy? I refer you to our previous episode about that genre that we did. And we kind of touched on that, I think, as a subset. I don't remember if we exactly said Portal Fantasy, but I love that term. And I think a lot fits Mm -hmm. into that, that people Mm -hmm. really love. So let us know your thoughts in the post. And have you gone out and read by Starlight? I want to know that too. That just sounds so magical and lovely. And one last time, where can people get your book? So you can buy Orion and the Starborn on Amazon, which is is always great for numbers and please review the book on Amazon too if you're not opposed to that sort of thing because that is hugely helpful for us especially being a small publisher competing with the big you know the big traditional publishing houses reviews are great Um, but also you can purchase the book um, at owlsnestpublishers.com and if you do that uh, I will go ahead and sign the book for you as well That's amazing. How fun. Well, I want to thank Karen one more time for being here and Sarah and Josiah for reading and reviewing the book for us and coming to ask questions. This was so much fun. And until next time, I'm Trisha. I'm Amanda. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Katie Hoyle. (laughs) (laughs) And happy reading. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to Book Fair Podcast. Join our private Facebook group, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at chat at bookfairpodcast.com. And you can help us continue to grow. Share an episode with a friend, mention us on social media, and leave a review in your podcast app. We'll see you next Tuesday.